Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Greg Rubel coming up here momentarily. In fact, uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, he is the voice of the BYU Cougars and our good friend Greg Rubel. What's going on, Greg? Hello, Jake. Hello, Gordon. Hello. How's it going? Uh, well, Greg, let me let's start here. What are the odds that the BYU Cougars would be playing the Houston Cougars on the same week that a, an actual Cougar from Provo made national news? <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I, I I think what's going to happen, you know, Friday may be exciting and may have even a, a last minute finish, but but can in no way be as dramatic as the other one you mentioned this week. That was wild. So, Greg, so Greg, i got to know, if that had been you running on that trail, how would you have reacted? Well, I, I, I would have I, I picked something up at some point. I, I felt, and maybe he did. I, I don't know. the narr- I didn't hear all the narration, but I would have liked to have something in my hand besides a phone at that point. <laughs> and and I, I kept watching as he backed up, or and, and I saw you know rocks and boulders on the side of that. I thought, just... Put some, have something to go to yeah. if you need to. Um, but, yeah, it was chilling. See, I would have thought, Greg, you would have uh, Hulk-style torn your shirt off <laughs> and gone toe-to-toe with that cougar. <laughs> That's like option B, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us, Greg. And Gordon and I have talked a lot about this. How important is it that BYU really play at its best uh, against a team like Houston, but also further down the road against Boise State and San Diego State? Well, it, the, those games you just mentioned down the road aren't going to mean nearly as much unless BYU can play at its best and, and get this win on Friday. Everything hinges on it. I mean, you, you, you do not get into the New Year's Six conversation without an undefeated record this year. And, and so there are you know, a finite number of true barometer games for BYU, and one could argue the first was played at Navy. It's a good-named team. It was a ranked team from last year. And, and BYU got that win handily. That kind of elevated the Cougars into the conversation. But this is the next true barometer game. Uh, Houston's a name. Dana Holgerson's a name. Houston was on ESPN last week putting up 49 points. Everyone knows Houston football. And, and to go on the road to have to get this game, when it was originally a home game, let's not forget, uh, to have to go on the road and, and take on a team that showed pretty well offensively last week, uh, is a true barometer for BYU. And if they're able to get the win on Friday, um, you know, the hype will only increase exponentially over the ensuing weeks until that Boise State game in early November. And there are games to be played between now and then. We all know that. But uh, certain games mean more than others. And this one Friday certainly falls into that category. Man, I agree with you on everything there, Greg. It's not like they're playing Ohio State but this is one of those three games that they have to win to uh, to legitimize themselves. And that, I, I, I don't like to run down other teams or anything. That's just a fact, isn't it? I mean, it just seems like that's, that's something that is evident to almost everyone. Right, yeah, and, and it's, it's a function of the schedule. Again, not BYU's fault that all the P5s fell off the schedule and none came back. But that being what it is, you better take advantage of the games that give you some resonance. Uh, that give you some ability to to make national noise, and 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 Houston's one of those games. It's it's a massive opportunity. Think about it. it's a Friday night game. So there's not a lot uh, else going on in the way of competition. You're on the main network. It's a late night game. Uh, it's it, it's got it's got appeal. It's got real appeal. Uh, Zach Wilson is already you know getting getting national buzz. 
it, it's a mega stage for BYU. It's, it, it's, a, it's a prominent platform, and if they play well and if they get uh, the win, uh, the conversation's only going to get louder and more intense through the month of October. And we've discussed it before, I think, guys, how it's been a while since BYU's been in the October conversation. Well, you get into the, no, you know, the November conversation, and now you're in true rarefied air. And, and BYU has that opportunity, but everything hinges on, on the game 48 hours plus uh, for, for, from right now. And uh, it's exciting. It, it, it's exciting to be in this spot. You know, the, the way BYU's had to begin these seasons as an independent with all those P5s loaded up, you can play well and be a good team and still not get out of September uh, you know, with a winning record, let alone an undefeated record. And here's BYU in mid-October undefeated, albeit on four games, but still undefeated. And that's a place BYU hasn't been since becoming an independent. And most of it is a function of the fact that they will front load that September every year. And it may sometimes not give you um, you know, the, the most accurate representation of who you might end up being because it's just such a grind to get the season going. Greg Rubel is with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, I want to talk to you about Zach Wilson. And other than health, because I do think health was a big factor last year, other than health, what has been the biggest difference between 2019 Zach Wilson and 2020 Zach Wilson? I would say there are some uh, some physical components. You, you, can, you, could, you could say it's health-related, but I think it really is more just about size and body maturity, and, and, and a year meant a lot that way. Um, the, uh, the, the extra off-season training he did this past year that he was unable to do last year because he was rehabilitating and recuperating is a big part of it. And, and just it's like anything else, uh, whether it's broadcasting or quarterbacking. Uh, the more reps you get, you know, the more shows you get behind the mic, um, you know, the better next year's shows are going to be. And, and that's, I think, the, the situation with Zach Wilson. is he, He's made a progression that, that coaches expect quarterbacks to make year to year to year and and if we if we want to think back into you know days of yore you know the the junior season was the season in which BYU quarterbacks many of them you know really you know came onto the scene and 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 were kind of revealed at, at that point because they'd they'd bided their time and they'd watched and they and they'd learned and and Zach had to watch and learn while being a starting quarterback which was different for him as opposed to these other guys we're talking about but it's the progression you expect to have made, and it's what you expect the guy to look like in his junior year. So, Greg, if the shows keep getting better year after year after year, at what point does father time take over and do they start getting worse? I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, you, I, I, I think it's that little voice inside that says, says, you've peaked, and it's time to go out <laughs> on top. Yeah. Okay. Uh, will you remind our listeners why this game, which was originally scheduled to be played in Provo, is being played in Houston? Yeah, because of Houston's schedule uh, featuring back-to-back road games, what would have been back-to-back road games in Provo and in Annapolis, um, Houston said that its medical uh, counsel was that they not have uh, back-to-back plane trips um, in the COVID environment. And, and that was, and granted, time, had, time has passed since that was the adjudication of the medical staff, but when they gave it to BYU at that time, that explanation, um, you know, BYU agreed to, to, to make the switch. And, and from Houston's perspective, they, they, don't, they don't believe it's, it's unfair to BYU because of, of how many home games BYU already has compared to road games. Right now the split is 7-3. to three. Um, Seven home games, just three away games, this being one of them. So, um, you know, BYU is amenable. Uh, the next game will be back in Provo instead of the other way around. 
And, um, you know, in, in some ways, again, if BYU wins it, it turns out to be a net positive because, you know, winning the game means even more if you can do it away from home. And so, again, it increases the opportunity potential for BYU having to do something ostensibly tougher than was originally on the plan. Greg, we asked David Locke a lot about this when the NBA returned, and I want to ask you as well. Tell us about your broadcast, the challenges you guys are, are trying to overcome, the different feel, what, uh, what, kind of a, what kind of is going into your broadcast these days? Yeah, from pregame to postgame, you know, it's all different. Um, whereas, you know, Kalani and I, we used to do our pregame interview, um, you know, sitting side by side in the locker room just before kickoff. Uh, now that interview is done uh, farther ahead of kickoff and in a different setting other than the stadium. Um, and in postgame, um, as you know, uh, almost all of the media get their quotes now via Zoom and, and not a face-to-face, um, you know, side-by-side setting. So those kind of logistics are, are, are simply the way of the world right now. Um, you know, Kalani, who used to come into the broadcast booth with us and, and, and do his postgame uh, show with us at home games in the booth, doesn't come to the booth anymore. Uh, we have a remote headset uh, that he's able to put on and, and still speak with Riley and, 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 and me, but not, uh, you know, inches away from us, sitting between us in the booth. That's a, that's a change. So those, those are the kind of logistical things that simply are the way things are being done right now. Uh, Mitchell Jurgens, when he comes off the field with Kalani at halftime, doesn't just walk with Kalani and hold the mic in front of him. He now stands six feet away from him and has a telescopic mic stand, if you will, and holds it out for Kalani to speak into. So those are the things that are being done. And then in the, in the venue itself, I, 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 I think there's a, a, a light crowd noise buzz that, that is, is, is going through the speakers, but nothing that I really notice. I, I think it's more just kind of a um, just a general ambience that I maybe kind of sense that's there, but we're missing fans, guys. It's just it, it's, you make these play calls and your energy is, is the same as it might normally be, but you're missing something. You, know, you, you want to be able to lay out after that touchdown call and have the fans take it away and swell into the mic, and, and we just haven't had that, and I really miss it. Um, hope to get it back soon, and, and we'll have the experience of, of playing in front of fans for the first time this, this week because Houston will have a 25% rule in a 40,000-seat stadium, so up to 10,000 fans could be in the stands for Thursday night, or rather for Friday night's game at Houston. And, and the way we've been going, uh, Jake and Gordon, 10,000 uh, might sound like 100,000 uh, to us based on what we've been operating with. You know, your answer to that question reminds me so much of what Locke said and what Bowler said and others we've talked to, that broadcasters really do feed off of the crowd uh, to some extent anyway. And I think that's kind of cool, really, that it's sort of your reflection of what's going on uh, in the stadium. And, and I like that idea. I, I do like it. Yeah, Based- and, and, and every sport misses it, right? But it, it's almost that, you know, there, there's a certain um, – a certain romance about college football and and uh, and and the once a week nature and the build up and and how many extra people get involved in in supporting a football game like that from cheerleaders to bands and and it's just it, it's such a big deal and and it's been so minimized for for you know uh, important reasons but um, we we miss those those other parts of the game that go beyond the players and and the coaches and the action itself. I wanted to follow that up with, uh, based on your observations of this particular Cougar team, Greg, uh, where do you think the weak spots are? I mean, BYU has been pretty impressive 
it's hard to spot some of those weaknesses, uh, but have you, are you picking up on anything? Um, in, in contrast to recent years, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll get around to answering it, but it's interesting that, that at this point of the season, whereas in previous years, once you've gone through that, that four or five game P5 opening, um, you're, you're looking at some attrition. Well, BYU is getting guys back right now um, and, and helping to, to actually bolster the personnel situation, which is, a, which is unique and positive with, with guys like, you know, James Empey, uh, you know, getting back and, and Tristan Hodge getting closer to getting back. And Sione Finau, last year's rushing leader, now able to get to, to be closer to, to coming back. And Keanu Saliaponga uh, coming back and adding depth to the offensive line. Um, you know, so many things have happened in, in the last couple of weeks that have been positive in terms of, uh, you know, boosting and, and enhancing the personnel as opposed to drawing away from it. And so, um, whereas in the past, one of the main weaknesses might have been just simply um, depth due to attrition, I think depth has become a real strength for BYU this year. Considering the week-to-week, you know, tension surrounding COVID, you can't have enough good and healthy players. And, and BYU does appear to be, you know, deeper now than it's been at any point in, in Kalani's program. And I think that was kind of the objective, that by year five you'd have the kind of depth you need to go through what they thought would be a heavy P5 slate and is now – um, you know, maybe a COVID-affected um, slate, and, and you're still needing, though, the same kinds of depth that BYU currently has, which is positive. As for B, where areas where BYU is weak, you're right. It, it's, it's almost nitpicking right now to find a spot that BYU is not really excelling in. Um, and, and I still say that, that through four games, um, if, if you want to point to UTSA as a game that, uh, that showed there were some, you know, holes to patch, you could argue that to an extent, but, you know, bottom line is it was a, a game with, you know, plenty of yards, uh, almost 28 points, which you, you know, expect to kind of have to, to, to be kind of a, 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 a weekly watermark for you um, and achieve that. They almost did that. Uh, you know, there were a few more penalties than they would have liked to have. Maybe, maybe that's one thing. It seems like week to week they're maybe not as sharp. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'll identify that one, Gordon, after, after all the hemming and hawing. We'll say that maybe the sharpness – has maybe come down week to week in terms of discipline showing up in, in penalties and maybe not um, being you know quietly as on point as they were earlier in the year. All right, Greg, this is a really dumb question inspired by a ridiculous conversation, but... Well, I, I look forward to giving you a really dumb answer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, in, to your knowledge or, or in your memory, has the BYU football team ever hoisted a kicker onto their shoulders? Hoisted a kicker onto the shoulders. Um, well, you know, Kalani's first game, um, when Jake Oldroyd hit that field goal uh, to, to beat Arizona, there could have been some hoisting. I, I think I'd want to go back and, and, and look at the video on that. Um, that, 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 that. That was kind of a hoistable situation, if you ask me. <laughs> Gordon, you know, and, Gordon thinks and, they're hoisting the kicker every other no, game. No, that's not what and, I and said. In, 19, in, in 1996, when BYU uh, won the WAC championship and Potsman hit that field goal to beat uh, Wyoming in overtime uh, to get to the Cotton Bowl, I think, again, hoistable situation once again there. So, And I, I want to go back and watch film on that. But those are two that come to mind. And, and you don't get those game-winning kicks like that all the time, right? So, um, and, and I will say that when Jake hit from 54 – uh, right before half earlier this year, right at the halftime, um, I, there, there, there might have been a couple guys at least giving him some air, at least getting him some clearance off the ground after he hit from 54 this year. <laughs> you know, I, it, it seems to me, and I'm going to test your knowledge here, Greg, 
that when Kurt Gunther kicked that extra point to win that game for BYU back in uh, 84. 1980, also hoistable, yeah. I think he was hoisted. I'm not 100% sure. I want to see the film. Now there, there's high hoist potential with that one for sure because the the Clay Brown pass only only ties the game at 45. Uh, the pass to Clay Brown ties at 45. Gunther's got to kick it to make it 46-45. And uh, where were you that night, Gordon? I was uh, at my parents' folks' back e- uh, house back east uh, watching on television, but I do remember that as being uh, particularly memorable and. Uh, you know, this this is uh, what's what's difficult for me with Jake. I can't believe that he's arguing this point. I mean, we've all seen kickers get hoisted. My original comment, Greg, was <laughs> that kickers generally, uh, on the whole, get hoisted more than just about any other position other than quarterback and maybe the coaches. And and Jake is saying that this never happens. My and original position was every ex-football player pretty much that I've ever met despises the kicker. They all hate kickers. And and I said, every okay, that might be true. They hate the kicker until the kicker wins the until game wins the for game. him, Greg. Until he wins the game. Uh, yeah. did, did Rudy get hoisted? He got hoisted in the movie, right? He did. Yeah, he brought that up. Yeah, I did yeah. bring that up because they they had a little yeah. blurb at the end of the movie. Remember that said he was the last player in Notre Dame to get hoisted or something like that. <laughs> uh, but he was not a kicker. Good point, Austin. He was what a defensive. Who cares? Yeah, he wasn't wasn't a kicker. But yeah. uh, you know, and and this could be a stat that uh, SID start putting in game notes. Um, you know, in the future and <laughs> number um, of hoists. Number of hoists. Career career hoists. Yeah. I I really want Greg. I want you. I want you to make this a matter of study. Because because if you come up with it, then Jake will believe it. Uh, That's will true. You please pay attention to this stuff from here on out. We have report back to him so that he can you can talk some sense into. I'll, I'll I'll get I'll get his contact info from Austin and make sure that we're in the loop together on this thing. You got it. What, one one follow up question: What year was Gunther? Did he make that kick? That wasn't the SMU game, was it, or was it the national championship game? No, that that that, that would it would have been the uh, the SMU game in 1980. The holiday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what it was. I, I yeah, got they, they needed the PAT up. to complete the comeback. Uh, that's right. Clay, that's Brown, right. Clay Brown just ties it, I think. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Greg, thank you very much for jumping on with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you let me know if you uh, if you find any hoists. I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be working on that as soon as I get done with the with my real job. That I have to do here. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Okay, guys. Thanks. Anytime. That's our friend Greg Rubel, the uh, the voice of the BYU Cougars. You know, he can name hoistable uh, moments, and I don't disagree, but that was not confirmed hoists right there either. Although he did say, who was it, that Oldroyd who got lifted, at least there was some clearance. But does that? how much clearance does there have to be for it to be a hoist? What defines a hoist? You have to make it to the shoulders. Yeah, that's right. It's got to be above it, the it's shoulder. It's got to yeah. be above the shoulder. Not a, not Otherwise, a, it's a fireman carry. Or like a bear hug or something. It's got to be on the— <laughs> Or on a basket the, carry. Right. Yeah. So All right, think- now, now I've Googled game-winning kicks, and uh, I'm looking at the videos of them. You can Google. And uh, there are – I've always Googled. So uh, th- this is uh, – I'm going to find some proof for you. And the problem is that no matter how many bits of evidence I find, you're going to say, oh, yeah, but that that's just that time, or that's just this time. or whatever. I could find 15 different times and say, ah, oh, yeah, right. And- uh, go ahead, find 15. Encourageable. Find 15. Good luck. 
Go for and it. I'm Prove me you. wrong. You can find 15. I believe in you. I'm telling you, it's happened, and it's happened a lot. I'm sure seeing a lot of hugs, too. Big-time hugs. Oh, hug. Jeez. We're talking hoists here. And even the great <laughs> Greg Rubel couldn't recall a specific hoist. Again, let me say this. Let me issue this call for our listeners. If you've ever seen a kicker kick a game-winning field goal and get picked up by his teammates and carried off the field, will you please, at Jake Scott, at Jake Scott Zone? Now, see, when you did this before, Devin tweeted in with an example. He says the Oregon beat Washington State last year on a last-second field goal. Freshman kicker, they hoisted the kid and carried him off the field. Go Ducks. And I made fun of uh, Oregon for not acting like they've been there before. So then Devin tweets back, and he says, Sheesh, the kid was a freshman. He had never been there before and had missed, like, pre his five previous field goals. So it was a pity hoist. Oh, we're not we're not on. talking about yeah, a, leave your charitable yeah, hoist not, out of this i mean yeah i'd hoist that kid too are you kidding i do it single-handedly i feel so bad for him but you but we're talking about a a, a a a pride i'm glad you're my teammate hoist not a we'll make you feel better hoist i'm 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 <laughs> i i'm speechless i really am i cannot believe you're denying this I'm so sick of the word hoist. By the way, Devin, I'm I'm just kidding. And I was not trying to to make fun of the kid much. Uh, we'll have more coming up next. It is the big show, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. More straight ahead, 97.5. Oh, I just saw a doggy pile on a winning and a kicker who won the game. Oh, see, that's actually a, being mean. That's not a not hoist, a hoist. Thing. That's we're gonna smash this guy. <laughs> Stay tuned. More next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone.